Someone early on in my career, um, an early manager, um, you know, one day she she told me, Deb, don't get too um, don't get too kind of caught up in the outcome. You know, really kind of look at you know the process as the point. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast, presented by the Marketing Help. Co. Now, reminder that the Marketing Help, we have a library of over 200 free resources dedicated to helping marketers navigate their career. So the TMH library, uh, those resources are going to provide you a few things. Uh, first, going to save you a ton of time. So forget about Googling and, and searching endlessly for these resources. Uh, we have them for you. And guess what? They're marketing specific, so they're super relevant to you. Second, you're going to get more confidence, more confidence almost like getting the answers to the test before you get the test. We've got interview prep checklists. We've got career planning documents. We've got questions guidebooks for those interviews. Uh, we also have walkthrough videos for a marketer's resume and LinkedIn profile, what those should look like. All these resources are ready for you, 100% free. Just go to the marketinghelp.co forward slash library. Okay, <clears throat> so the intro clip you heard was our guest, Deborah Choi. And Deborah is the managing director at Bosque, B-O-S-Q-U-E, and Bosque is a direct-to-consumer brand that delivers long-living pre-potted plants with 24-7 plant care support. So it's a super interesting niche. Uh, definitely want to check that out. Now, what's amazing about that first clip is that the advice that Deborah was given actually summarizes her approach to her amazing career. And her c- career includes stops at several startups, um, as well as top brands like New York Magazine and Coach. And the one word that comes to mind here is adaptability. And if you keep listening, you'll hear Deborah talk about why that word adaptability is so relevant. And in our conversation, she talks about tips on how to make an immediate impact when starting your marketing role. Uh, she's got advice on how to manage your agency partner effectively. And you actually might be surprised in what she says. And she also provides why focusing on developing a core marketing skill, being a specialist, is actually going to future-proof your marketing career. So lots of great stuff from Deborah. Uh, so let's get into it. Here's my discussion with Deborah Choi. Welcome to the episode. Eric, thank you so much for having me today. All right. So um, in this Career Moments episode, and I'm really excited to go through your career path, having looked at where you've been, what you've done, where you are now. And let's let's start the discussion by just you know opening the starting point. So what was it about marketing or can you t- tell us way back when, um, when you got started in marketing, what was the impetus for that? Was it you always wanted to be in marketing or was it some other catalyst that got you interested in a marketing career? Great question. And, you know, I think that, you know, when I reflect back on the last 15 years of my career, um, a couple of words come to mind. One is untraditional. Um, another, maybe it's not a word, it's a phrase learning on the job. And, you know, really Eric, for me, um, I did not dream of becoming a marketer, Hmm. but, um, here I am 15 years in and, you know, my career has really been built on digital marketing, um, often also as an entrepreneur, um, but my bread and butter, my space has been this really, um, you know, very dynamic world of online marketing, performance, partnerships, Instagram, you know, all of the changes that you and I both know uh, that have come in the last 10, 15 years around hardware, software, platforms. Um, and, you know, I I kind of in a way stumbled into this space. Hmm. So uh, I went to a uh, university and I was studying political theory, thinking that I would um, actually go into a completely different path. Um, I thought I would go on to law school and um, being the child of immigrants, thought I would play pretty safe um, after university. And um, it was at university where I was tinkering away on the weekends, on the side with my friends, what became our first startup. Mm-hmm. And it was really in this uh, first venture uh, where we were sourcing and selling vintage apparel in the early 2000s that I got my first, um, I would say, true brush at marketing and also digital marketing, where, you know, it was thinking through our, you know, problems and trying to find solutions. Where is our customer? Um, you know, how do we speak? about our products, about our brand? How do we scale that? 
And it was really kind of approaching these questions with a lot of um, curiosity and truly not a lot of experience, um, really diving deep straight into it um, that got me hooked on marketing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, luckily I I feel like I'm not so green behind the ears now, uh, you know, 15 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how I got started in this space. Yeah, it's interesting because when I look at your background, I'm, I'm impressed by the number of times that you started something. So you, you, you co-founded a company or two, but you did it while you were working full time and almost like you had two passions. One was the, the role you were working in, but then also starting something that was, you know, looks like it was driven by passion on the side. You know, so there's, you know, your background is like you said, a, a fashion startup, you know, you've done some e-commerce publisher, uh, uh, a couple, like you mentioned, a couple of startups in the way there. So you mentioned this fashion brand that you started with your friends. You learn by doing, again, it's not like it started with a passion. And then you move on to coach. Uh, I believe that's the next stop there. So what was that transit? What was that transition like when, you know, what was the, what was the driver for that? Was it, you know, was it looking for a different challenge? Was it looking to work for a, a top brand now that you had five years of experience mm-hmm. on your belt? Right. I mean, you, you, you are definitely, Eric, speaking to a lot of the shifts uh, that have um, framed and structured my career path. And, you know, so with my first venture, um, we ended up building this uh, initial, this first startup uh, over the course of five years, and we were able to sell that first business. And, you know, coming out of that, which was, you know, it was, it was not a huge sale. It was an asset sale. It gave a little bit of cushion to Mm -hmm. be able to pack my bags and and leave Chicago and move to New York city without a full, you know, set plan. Um, you know, but I arrived in New York city and it was always a personal dream of mine, um, from being a young girl to live in the big city. And, um, there, you know, my question that I asked myself was what do I want to learn next? Hmm. Um, what can I build upon, um, that I don't already know. And, you know, building a brand, from scratch as a marketer is, you know, it's a fun place to be. Um, but it's a completely different beast to maintaining a certain tone of a brand that's been around for a long time. And, you know, what I realized when I landed in New York was I felt there was a lot that I need to learn about branding and marketing at scale. Um, you know, what does it look like to, you know, to have a brand that has a lot of heritage um, to it that's been around for 70 plus years. What do you say as a brand in that case? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what does the playbook and rules look like um, if you're not just simply building everything from scratch and testing and trialing? And so I, you know, with that in mind and also just feeling like, you know, being a very young person too, I had a lot to learn professionally as well. Right. Um, you know, I started to look for, um, you know, marketing opportunities specifically where I could work for a bigger brand and get that scale and that professionalism under my belt. And, you know, that's when I found a position that I ultimately was able to, um, to, to, to get started with at, at Coach, which was really about new media. Um, the position was overseeing uh, social and mobile marketing for the brand at a time where both channels or platforms were fairly nascent. Right. Um, So it was kind of an interesting hybrid of a role where I was working with tools that were new uh, in many ways for the brand untested. For example, you know, how do we, you know, what, what's our playbook and, and tool set for, um, effective SMS marketing. Um, and what are the ways that we can, um, scale that, on a national level, on a global level. Um, You know, it was these kinds of questions there that I was responsible for finding solutions for um, while also thinking through, you know, this is a brand with a lot of heritage, Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of brand recognition. Um, There's a certain playbook for this brand um, that needs to be respected. And um, here was really where I was able to sink my teeth into, um, you know, marketing at a certain scale that, you don't have in the early, at least in the early days of a startup. Sure. Now, Coach is a, is a pretty well-known brand, and I guess my question is, how does somebody that comes with experience just from a startup, albeit it was in innovative channels that at the time no one really knew how to do them, so it had that as a as a benefit. 
But how did you get that role? Was it just applying? Was it you knew somebody? What was the entry point into getting on Coach's Radar? You know, it's I'm I'm smiling right now, and I think our listener, your listeners cannot see this because I was asked that question also when I joined. And you know, I think that you know that's there's something to these kinds of companies and these kinds of positions where often you are in network, right? Um, and that's how you kind of get your foot in the door. I just saw a position online and I applied for it. Um, you could say your first touch point as a marketer is your CV, right? How mm-hmm. do you present yourself? How do you position what you know and what you're looking to do next? Um, so, you know, in this way, I, I simply applied. I didn't have contacts there previously. And it was interesting. I do recall um, sitting with the then um, head of, of North America uh, Digital Marketing, and uh, he was asking me, but Deborah, do you, I think I was wearing, I don't know what kind of handbag I was wearing, but he's like, do you even like, <laughs> you know, luxury handbags? And I was like, well, you know, I was again, pretty young, fresh out of university. I can learn right. and, and learn. I did, you know, I learned, you know, in the time I was there so much about not just marketing, but also about the brand. Um, and that was absolutely um, a way to kind of get my foot into, um, you know, not just this opportunity with the coach, but the one kind of shortly after with uh, New York media or New York magazine um, as well. And, and so what was the, so when it comes to career paths, I mean, my interest, I always love to hear what is the, the, the factor that led you into the next role? Because for some people listening, this is a dream job for them to work for coach or work in this fashion industry or with that level of brand. So why would you ever want to leave? And, you know, what would you say would be the the, the rationale or the factor that drove you into uh, the role with uh, New York media? Was it, uh, again, did, did it run its course? Have you learned everything you possibly thought you could learn a coach? What were some of those uh, motivating factors? Right. So, you know, at, at coach, I, you know, it's interesting. Let me take a step back. Sure. New York is a big city, right? And, What's interesting, though, about these big cities is also how they can really feel like a village, depending on the space that you're in. And so, you know, as big as New York was and is, you know, there was this kind of small kind of community of people who were also working in in big brands and working in digital and new media. And you got to kind of know of people, even if you didn't directly know them. Um, And, you know, I I guess I formed a bit of a reputation as the new media person, coach. Um, In the time that I was there, we were able to really cover a lot of interesting ground in not only kind of scaling our followers back in the early days on our core social media platforms, but also finding, you know, kind of things we could roll out globally. So Coach is a brand then and now uh, has a huge touch point in Asia. Um, back then, we were just kind of getting our toes wet in Europe through the UK. Um, and we were finding, you know, as a digital team in North America, you know, not just the responsibility to scale digital, you know, uh, in home turf, but to find parts of the playbook that could be replicated uh, internationally. And in all of this, um, you know, I was reached out to about a position that I just couldn't say no to at mm-hmm. New York Magazine. Um, this was a very different kind of position, but also was playing to my strengths. Um, it was not so much a direct marketing role, uh, but a lot more on the analytics side. So I shifted gears from, um, you know, managing new media, digital media, and, and kind of digital partnerships, if you will, uh, with Coach to um, looking at, okay, here's all of this data that we have at New York Magazine. How do we surface this data that, to inform the right decisions on both the editorial side and also advertising? Um, so, so this was a kind of a digital audience um, position and team um, that was interfacing between both sides of the business uh, that I stepped into after my time at Coach. And I love how you put that is that uh, an opportunity found you. And it sounds like you be, that's the first thing. The second thing is that you had this reputation as the person who to go to for new media. So, you know, we've heard this in a lot of episodes where marketers will say, you know, you're really auditioning for your next job, whether you know it or not. And if you do good work and you truly want a career in marketing, it sounds like following your playbook, which is, hey, listen, be curious, learn, do good work. Opportunities will find you. 
Um, but also sounds like that village of connections that you had was powerful to lead to those other opportunities. So therefore, if you're a marketer early in your career, who's in your village, right? Or who's in your small you know, network of individuals that have the passion around the same topics or, or craft, because look what it can do, right? You know, that this opportunity found you. Now, while you're at New York Magazine, it was then that you launched another startup? So, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting with the startups. So at New York Magazine, I mean, I, I have to say I I, I I jumped into that new role also as a bit of a fangirl. I loved the brand. Um, nice. I loved the brand of Coach as well. Um, and so, you know, here was an opportunity to see the workings of the brand from the inside. And, um, you know, it was also at a certain time uh, where, you know, this was kind of the early 2010s. I don't know what you call this decade, really. Um, but it was a, a moment in time where there was a lot of buzz and questions around what is the business model of media? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how are media companies going to monetize themselves, save themselves as Facebook, you know, killing the magazine? And there was all of this happening at the same time. And, you know, for me, having been an entrepreneur, I think I'll never be able to turn off the curiosity hat <laughs> around sure. well, what are the opportunities here? And, you know, being there, I saw that, you know, there was a really kind of interesting way that, you know, a media company was operated. And, you know, within that, I saw that there were also opportunities. So just to, you know, kind of explain here, you know, my next venture uh, was a company that I started with uh, a friend who also went to my, my university, and we started a media media platform um, with a certain, say, hypothesis. So mm-hmm. we were both in this space, and what we were seeing is that you know, with most um, with most uh, media companies, there's a lot of output every day, but that output in terms of content is doesn't have doesn't hold the same level of value from one day to the other for advertisers right um so what does it look like if you create a media company where the content is as we call it evergreen so that from an advertising perspective from revenue perspective um there's a kind of holding of that value 24 hours later and also 365 days later as well um, so with that kind of question in mind, we, we started to build this first, um, this, this MVP, this platform where we were putting together like purely evergreen content and seeing, you know, from an advertising perspective, um, what that could look like in terms of the kind of advertisers that we could get on board. Um, and, and so this became, yes, my, my next startup. And, um, was there any conflict? I mean, I'm sure there's conflicts, but this became like a nights and weekends sort of pursuit while you're maintaining your, your role at New York Magazine. And then what happens next um, in terms of your career? So the startup continues and then you move on to uh, Bright Leap? Mm-hmm. So here, I mean, was definitely a learning for me because, I mean, it was nights and weekends, as you, mm-hmm. as you noted, which is not easy. Um, but there was a fire in me and my co-founder to really try to get at the, the, the heart of this problem and see if we could find at least a viable solution to it. Um, you know, with this, with this venture, you know, one of the learnings for me, and there were many, um, was, well, I don't know if I want to be in a business model that is purely ad driven. Um, I might not have the the, I don't know, the mentality for it. I was learning a bit about what kind of marketer I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that I, I realized in that, in that venture that my sweet spot was really in consumer B2C, really thinking about an audience and a product and how to kind of draw the links between the two. Um, but also, you know, in, in that venture, I also realized that I was not um, really looking to be in this space for the long haul. Um, as well. So um, the the short of it is my co-founder and I, we we parted ways and made the decision that, you know, she decided she would like to continue to run 
the venture that we started and keep it independent. And she she, she still does too today, mm. uh, which is really cool to see. Um, but I, yeah, I decided to move on. And, um, you know, my next venture was quite different than <laughs> like they, they've all been in the sense that it was not um, uh, a product driven business, but a service business. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I started uh, a marketing and innovation agency as my third business. And this uh, was one that I ultimately decided to um, go all into. And I left New York uh, Magazine in order to do so. Um, And I would say, you know, when we look back at our careers, right, um, we start to see the links between Mm -hmm. the jumps and the moments of doubt, right, of am I doing the right thing? And, um, you know, with this third venture with the marketing agency, for me, the the opportunity was completely um, kind of coming on the heels of everything I'd learned from marketing on big brand side and also everything I'd learned on the inside of media and kind of what motivates and what drives um, the kind of content that, that can be published about brands and so forth. And again, uh, a fortunate and advantageous time for this to be the venture that you start because of the experience that you accrued over those years. And, um, you know, what is the advice to the marketer who's thinking to themselves, listen, I've been doing my agency role or I've been working for big brand side for three to five years, whatever it is. And they feel like they too are accruing some knowledge and information like that. What, what is it that should be the advice if they want to do something that's more consulting or like you had done and let me stand up my own services, uh, environment or place where I can give advice to, to businesses and brands that I want to work with. Right. So, um, you know, I would say there's always going to be some sort of MVP or minimal viable product way to test something. I think that, you know, my, my, my true belief is that life is short. And when we have dreams, we need to figure out how can we how can we activate them uh, in some way? And so, you know, for that person who's been, you know, really racking up all that experience and is now thinking about, you know, venturing out on their own, you know, what I did at least was um, I first was really a consultant before I became an agency. Um, so, you know, in my case, it was starting small. I reached out to friends who were launching ventures um, on both coasts. And I said, hey, I've been doing this whole marketing thing for a while now. Can I help you? Um, Or would you know someone that I can help? And, you know, I think that tapping into our our professional and personal networks is always a great place to start. Um, You know, when we have an idea, when we have a fire in us to um, to get something started and to get some feedback about, um, you know, the direction that we're taking. Um, so I'm sorry, but, um, I would about the background noise. So with um, the, the, the things, but, but yeah, I would say that really it's, it's all about, you know, when you, when you, when you feel the need to really try something, um, you know, to figure out your MVP, um, get feedback, um, tap into your personal professional network for customer one, two, and three, um, and then grow it from there. Great stuff. Great stuff. Now let's, 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 uh, like you were saying, is all about the, the links here in your career. So linking from this, uh, venture that you had started into where you are today at Bosk. So it sounds like you had this interest in D2C and I love how you had the acumen to know, hey, wait a minute, the, the, the model that I'm working for in publishing is at risk. So therefore, you, you, you set your path to be into an area where you had experience and could provide value uh, as opposed to just hanging your hat and riding out the storm, hoping everything would, would, would be okay. And we've seen what's happened in publishing since then. Um, so let's get into Bosk. How do you go from the, the venture you're in into your role at Boss today. Right, right. So so just the short of it with Bosk, uh, it's a direct-to-consumer plant brand uh, based in Berlin. Uh, we take a very uh, sustainable approach to sourcing um, packaging and delivering, um, you know, ready to grow plants. So plants that are pre-potted uh, and uh, delivered directly to your door. 
Um, so, you know, how did I get into this space? <laughs> I, I, I have to say, um, you know, me four or five years, oh, I would say a good five years ago, I was really, really bad with plants. I would buy plants from the wrong places. I would kill them pretty quickly. I would repeat the process. I would get frustrated. Um, I would want to give up, but then I'd see another cute plant in a shop and think, let me try again. And, you know, you, you know where this, this story goes. So, you know, for me, it was, you know, my, my entry into specifically this category of, of indoor plants and potted plants came out of in, in, in a way, really kind of experiencing some of our customers' pain points. Mm. Um, so I was someone who wanted to have a closer connection to nature at home. I honestly don't have that much time to be out in nature as much as I'd like to. Um, so this was kind of the shortcut to that. But regardless, I kept kind of struggling with, you know, figuring out what the plant needed and not really having the time to spend going to workshops and reading a bunch of books and so forth. So that was my pain point. And it was also in many ways, my light bulb. Um, so with, with this venture and my entry into it, you know, at some point my frustration was like, wait a second, how many other people <laughs> are experiencing right. this as well? Um, and it started again, this kind of curiosity about the market and the customer and the trends that led me to, you know, build again an MVP, um, you know, figure out what was my first kind of entry point into the space to really test certain assumptions. Um, and, you know, now, you know, that that journey started about four years ago, you know, and now, you know, I'm running a venture backed, um, you know, business in the space, which is called Bosk. And um... I mean, the model, I mean, for sure. I mean, it only took me two weeks to kill the plant that I put in my office. So um, I'm in the market. So, <laughs> um, and I can understand the pain point you're trying to solve there and how you're doing it. And in your role today, when you think about, uh, let, let's go back. So you think about starting a coach, starting at New York Magazine, uh, New York Media. What's the advice for somebody to, because it sounds like you, you're able to make a positive impact in a short amount of time. To, to, you know, we all have our hits and misses, but it sounds like most of your hits were wins. But what's the tip for the marketer starting their new role to make a positive, immediate impact? Immediate is relative, but what are some of the things you did to stand out and to ensure that you're, you know, moving the ball forward? So great question. And, you know, I, ref I reflect on this a lot because I also mentor um, you know, a handful of people who are kind of more earlier on in, in their career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that I, I see in reflecting on my path that was incredibly important in order for me to build a network of allies and supporters at these companies uh, was to stay curious. Um, you know, I, when I stepped into coach, there were so many things I knew I didn't know. And, you know, I think that, you know, as a young person, it's the perfect time to not know many things. <laughs> I think the older we get, there's a lot of assumptions around us that we we know some things and mm -hmm. we, we have a certain vocabulary. And, you know, that has its own pressures, of course. But, you know, when you're when you're young, um, when you when you're, you know, kind of really learning, I think it's the time to be really proactive and say, I'm curious about this. How does your team work? Can we have lunch so I can understand how your team works, what your pain points are? Whether or not that becomes part of my workflow, I don't know. Again, that kind of really transparent, honest candidness, but I'm just simply curious to understand. And, you know, that was something that opened up a lot of interesting lunch conversations for me, frankly, at both Coach and New York Magazine, just to understand, you know, from, say, merchandising to tech, um, you know, what the workflows were. And I started to see the links that were existing and also the ones that could be between these workflows and my own. And, you know, I think that first step first of, like, you know, being curious trying to get an understanding of how people's day looks like, then can open up the opportunities to say, I think I could help you in this way. Um, you know, I understand now, based on what you've told me, what your day looks like. And I would love to give 
10, 10, 10% of my time to supporting this. I see this as a problem and I think I can help. And, you know, being kind of open to, um, you know, not being fixed in any kind of particular kind of like, oh, this is my responsibility. Um, early on, oof, that, I mean, that opens up so much. And, and I think you and I both know this when, you know, when I think of the, the, um, the people that I mentor and even, you know, when we have, um, I would say people kind of starting out in their career, junior or interns that do kind of take this really proactive, curious approach, you just want to help that person and, you know, show them the ropes, open the playbook, um, take the time to make sure that they're, you know, really grounded in kind of how things work and, you know, information between the lines. And, you know, it was really this that was so, so important for me to, um, you know, be able to get to a point where I was building my own opinion about certain things. Right. But before that, you you need to kind of spend that time with the active listening for sure. Such great advice because it's super relevant to that early stage junior level marketer, uh, strictly because no one knows everything, even the VPs, even those that have been doing it for, for 10 plus years, we don't know everything. So it kind of forces you to, to have to be able to ask questions all the time, be curious, because uh, you may be the person at a junior level, coordinator level that can be the one that solves it. Uh, plus, I think your advice is is also relevant to those that are manager level. And how many times have you seen manager level marketers um, get frustrated when they can't figure out how to how to get to the next level, whether that's director VP? But the, the the recipe is simple. What you just said, right? You can still be curious because you don't know everything as a manager. You may think you do, but when you start asking those same sort of questions to your director and those that are in the positions that you seek to to, to gain. Gosh, you may find you may not even realize what their challenges are. And the advice I give to marketers when looking to to gain that that trajectory growth in their career, it's what you just said: be curious, bring a solution. And you'd be surprised at how much you can unlock, like you're saying, regardless of the level. Uh, so, super great advice there. Now, last thing here before we head to a quick break: when you think about all the the places you've been and where you started, the the, the ventures you started the marketing roles that you've had in your mind, what is the most impactful career moment that you've had so far? Oh, wow. That's such a good question, Eric. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I think it's always the most recent one (laughs) and then something else happens. Um, But, you know, I think Honestly, it's less about hard skills because I think a lot of marketing, of course, is hard skills, but it's also so much about the soft skills. Marketing is about, you know, telling a story. It's about cooperation. It's um, it's about tuning into what matters to the person on the other side of the table. And, you know, someone early on in my career, um, an early manager, um, you know, one day she, she told me, Deb, don't get too, um, don't get too kind of caught up in the outcome, you know, really kind of look at, you know, the process as the point. And, you know, I think that that is, of course, it was tied at the time to a very specific project and so forth, but I've kind of taken that as a kernel um, into many things abstractly in my life that, you know, the moments that really kind of stand out to me are when we, I look at the process because the outcome, you know, in many ways, it's like you can have a great process and be really proud of the process, but there could be so many externalities that influence how things end up. Um, so, you know, when I think about kind of the peak moment, I think about those moments where I'm with my colleagues and we're in what I call flow. We're mm-hmm. communicating super well. Um, the energy is high and, you know, we're all kind of, you know, leaning into our skills and finding ways to support each other's weak, weak points. Um, and we're really a, a solid team and, and that's happening now that's happened before. Um, and that's kind of where I try to really focus my reflections on what, what happened that went really well. Um, because at the end of the day, if we 
are a team and we raise funding or we don't raise funding or we we hit the we we hit the partnership off at a great you know great rate mark or something um that's you know that's something else so that, that is so insightful because um there, there's there's marketers listening right now that that know what the flow is they get it right they they know when they've been in that project on the front lines in the trenches putting together the, the deck to pitch client x or uh getting ready for that new product rollout so they can understand uh hopefully that you know taking a step back and enjoying that process because so much is learned you know but we forget about it because we're so focused on we got to get this done by x date uh so that's that's great insight because it sounds like there isn't one specific career moment it's these career moments plural that that stick with you or have stuck with you over time good stuff all right so this has been a great walk through your career path as you said uh, a very non-traditional path but it is fed with a lot of great experiences great learnings and especially the suggestion on being curious which what led you from some of these roles so we'll take a quick break and we'll come right back and we'll dive a little bit deeper into uh, a day in the life in your role uh, with Bosk. Hey there, I want to let you know about a new page we launched on the marketinghelp.co and we built it to address one of the most common questions we get from our members and that's around finding your next marketing job because the worst place to start your job search is with the job search and that's the biggest flaw of most marketers today. So we created a hub just focused on helping marketers successfully complete every stage of the marketing job search uh, through courses. Now, go to the marketinghelp.co forward slash courses and you'll see there's a selection of courses, workshops, and boot camps, uh, all the way from creating the job search strategy, which is very important, uh, to acing your interviews. Uh, we have a nice resource, uh, the Complete Marketing Interview Questions Guide, which a lot of our members are raving about. So you definitely want to check that course out. Now, the best part is we created learning environments that we know are going to meet the needs of your schedule, but also your budget. So we've got self-guided courses. We've got on-demand courses. And we've even got small cohort expert-led workshops and boot camps. So stop getting frustrated when you're not getting any responses. Start being successful in your marketing job search. Get some control. Go to the marketinghelp.co forward slash courses. Check it out. Now let's get back to the episode. Right now, what I'd like to, to do is get a better understanding, you know, chief brand officer for a D2C brand. Uh, what does your, and I know it depends and everyone has different flavors of, of how they manage their time, but, you know, in a seven day cycle, right? Uh, Sunday to Saturday, what are some of the average things, tasks you're doing in your role? Yeah. So, I mean, we are, you know, as a DTC brand that is also handling a very, you know, very physical product, but also very fragile and also perishable project product. Mm, Um, You know, our business is quite operations intensive. Um, So, you know, in my role, I would say that, you know, there, there's no week that looks the same. Um, but there's definitely a running thread through each week that is this kind of hone in on how is our dig- how are our digital channels doing and are we you know in close sync with our products um, you know where we are with ter- certain inventory what do we need to tell a story about this week and so you know I would say like I kick off the week always kind of with an analysis of the last week what what do the numbers tell me what that what might you know, be in the data that might shift the compass slightly mm-hmm. around what this this new week looks like. And, you know, sometimes it's not so um, big a course correction um, in terms of, say, what we're going to be focusing on. Um, we do sometimes see, especially when I'm looking at certain specific channels, like, oh, we we tried a certain promotion and there, there really wasn't much pickup there. So we're not going to continue to push that one. We're going to shift gears and talk about something else. So I always really try to um, have the data be part of, you know, what's kind of what's happening in the coming week. Um, you know, within that, you know, as a digital you know, digital first brand, um, you know, there is, of course, a strong focus for me in looking at each week, 
what's happening on Facebook, what's happening on Google for us, how are our partnerships developing, um, whether that's a partnership on newsletter or Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm checking in often with my team, um, my internal and external team. Um, so we work with an agency um, on our performance channels and internally we're managing all say non-paid channels. Um, so, you know, partnerships and so forth, as well as um, say newsletter and events. Um, so it's really a, you know, this kind of navigating from the data that what's, what story is that telling me to, you know, the updates from my team on how, how their week is progressing. We're syncing on, you know, what are the kind of most important three things to focus on? I always try to, you know, have my team and myself also really try to focus. Um, we always have a long list. I, mm -hmm. I myself have like three notebooks in front of me of things that I need to do. Um, but we hold our stand-ups early in the week and we just kind of walk through, you know, this is the most critical things that need to be done this week. Um, here's how, here's what I need help with, or here's what I need a green light from, you know, this person or that person. So we're kind of seeing, okay, what are those initial potential bottlenecks uh, for the key projects um, you know, what, what could be an area where I could step in and support a team member and so forth. So this is really how the week starts for me. Um, I would say that, you know, going further, I always try to kind of fit in a little bit of time. Some weeks are better than others sure. um, to kind of look up and this, I call it looking up because I think that I, like many, um, many people get really, really focused on my universe, right? As a brand, looking at my numbers, uh, looking at my channels, thinking about my inventory and how to push that. Um, but meanwhile, there's a whole world around us and our customer and their options. So when I, when I say I look up, it's this moment where I try to kind of schedule, even if it's just an hour, um, you know, is there a market research report that I can see about kind of what trends are going on in DTC or direct to consumer more broadly, or um, you know, what are what have been some kind of more recent um, kind of VC stakes in this broader ecosystem of direct to consumer? What are those brands doing? What does their Instagram look like? Um, you know, what's going on around me essentially, and what might be in this noise or in this kind of bubble around me, the parts to kind of bring back into our little <laughs> ecosystem that is BOSC um, that could be relevant to, um, you know, how we, how we push certain things or talk about certain things. Um, so my week is always trying to manage this. Um, there's no ideal week. Of course, it's a juggle, um, but it's really trying to always kind of have this data focus make sure that the team is synced and everyone is resourced, has what they need, whether that's information or support. Um, and I'm also, you know, taking the time to make sure that I'm getting the signals um, around us that could be helpful. And I love how you summarize that because uh, looking up, right? So I think of it as the, everyone works in the business or they work on the business. And even if you're entry level too, you can still take time to look up like you're saying, because there might be something that could help you um, you know, better navigate your your craft or your hard skill execution, whatever it is that you're doing in your marketing role. So I love how you said that because uh, you're right. Everyone, as best as you can, as best as you can, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour, try to find that block of time where you can take a breather, look up, look around, like you said, sift through the the noise and signals and see what's important to bring back down into the day to day work. Good stuff. Now you mentioned your team. Two questions I have here. You mentioned your team. Um, Talk about the players on your team. What, what roles are they in and what are they doing? Right. So, I mean, there's, I would say my marketing team and mm -hmm. within that I, we're, we're pretty lean and mean. Um, so I have two colleagues in-house. Uh, one is overseeing um, content editorial. So that's our blog and also our newsletter and any kind of cooperations within those two channels. Um, and my other colleague is overseeing content from a kind of social community perspective. So first and foremost for us, that right now is Instagram. Uh, though later this year, we do want to um, kind of jump two feet into TikTok um, and really kind of start to grow community, community there as well. Um, so that's my core internal team. Um, so it's really this kind of 
So it's traditionally called the non-paid channels, right? Sure. Um, we also work with a really great agency to manage performance, uh, manage the optimization of our performance channels, uh, which currently are Facebook and Instagram. Though, as you and I know, when we say Facebook, we're also talking Instagram, of course. Um, and, you know, within Google, they have a, quite a basket of, of channels there too. So we're, you know, we're working on search, we're working on shopping, YouTube, so forth. So, and that was my second question is, uh, when it comes to working with an agency, especially a performance marketing agency, and you've been on the agency side in your capacity, in your career, in your mind, what makes a, what makes an effective agency partner? So I, I'm trying to, I I pause because I have so many things I could say on this topic. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to try to be a little bit concise here because I have run an agency before. So I'm, I'm definitely opinionated about this. Yes. Um, but you know, I think that, you know, it's really seeing like in the early days, how much is your kind of agency contact willing to spar with you? Um, I think that, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of table stakes for someone to kind of be given a directive as an agency, like, you know, spend this much on this channel, but you know, the real value comes in, you know, the questions coming back, like, are you like, we think actually it could be, um, you know, maybe wiser or more effective or more impactful because of this and that reason to do this instead, mm-hmm. because this is kind of how we see things. This is our vantage point. And so, you know, the more that your agency, if you're, if you're kind of looking at, is this a, the right kind of, kind of relationship to, to bring on for your company, the more that that agency is sparring is kind of bringing their vantage point, because again, their vantage point should be and is very different, right? Um, it's what we we're saying earlier about kind of being in your own brand bubble um, mm-hmm. within a company and just kind of living and breathing your brand, your products, your price points and so forth. Um, but in the agency, your, your contact probably has, you know, a handful of other clients that are most likely in very different spaces. And, you know, that breadth of um, perspective can be incredibly valuable if it's brought into the relationship. Um, so, you know, in, in our case, I feel very grateful that we do have this kind of sparring relationship. Um, and it's something that I think if you're looking for it, you can kind of feel out in your initial kind of conversations and evaluations if that's going to be there in the long run. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, marketing and specifically performance marketing is so dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I say that, you know, with all of that, that, that entails, it's exhausting to keep up with all the changes on these platforms. So, you know, when you're able to really kind of talk with your agency contact as a peer, I'm thinking this, what do you think? Um, you know, then you're really able to tackle these channels and, and, and have more success on them um, because of that kind of dynamic and relationship. I love that word you use is, is spar. And I know you don't mean it in a sense of, you know, uh, negative conflict, but, but conflict is good between agency and client. And it reminds me of, you know, the, the tenants I have from, from being on both sides of the table is uh, agencies, um, want to be the ones to come to the client with information proactively to your point is the last thing you want is the client to ask the agency, you know, what, ha- what, what, what's going on with this new change in Google? No, no, no. Agency should be the one to tell that first. And then on the client side, it's wanting to be accountable yourself. So if you can't hold yourself accountable, but you're, you're going to ride the agency to do X, Y, and Z that that's, that's a setup for a disastrous relationship. So if you can be and want to be accountable as a client, uh, that opens up that positive or uh, valuable sparring uh, interaction. Uh, great points there. Great points. Now let's let's focus on your team, not just the team you have now, but I'm curious in your perspective because of where you've been and and the environment you've worked in. I want to talk about hiring marketers and hiring marketers. Um, everyone has their 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 perspective and their opinions when it comes to hiring for specific marketing roles. But from from what you've seen and people that you've hired, uh, what 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 are, what's the greatest tip you can give somebody who's looking for a marketing role? Uh, what's the tip you can give them as it relates to uh, really acing that interview experience? 
Right, right. So, you know, I think that because of, I mean, in many ways, marketing is the same today as it was 15 years ago. It's telling a story to the right audience at the right time. Um, but, you know, you're layering in now so much more around algorithms, around um, hardware, around even just, um, you know, how much capacity do does the consumer have at this point to take in that one more bit of, of information today. Um, so, you know, there, there's all of this also going on. And in, in, in that way, I would say that, you know, the the marketer today who's just starting out um you know i think that it's it's such an advantage to focus and and get really specialist even on just one platform and i know that that can feel like putting a lot of eggs in one basket um i mean i think that that's really a different kind of space in from which from from the one that i kind of stepped into you know 15 years now ago with with coach um but Regardless, I would say now, like when I'm when I'm hiring, I'm looking for, um, you know, people who are, are very specific, even if it's still junior in that experience, of course, because maybe the ch- the platform in, in and of itself has not been around for a long time. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm looking to hire someone to manage TikTok, I would actually look for someone specifically for that, um, not just a community manager or. Um, you know, a general social media person because this platform is so specific and it has a certain kind of specificity to what the algorithm wants to get. And keeping up with those algorithms today is a, just a different kind of workflow and, and beast to what it used to be even, you know, just a couple of years ago. Um, so I think that because of these kind of changes and developments within marketing technology, um, there is this kind of ad- advantage to being really specific in, in what part of the marketing narrative you want to step into. I love the way you explain that because just by the way you explained it, you should tell everyone listening that uh, a career in marketing is here to stay because mm-hmm. today it's TikTok. Uh, next, it's already been NFTs, Web3, all the things that that no one wants to spend time learning about, but the smart marketer or the person who wants to have an edge when building a career will become and seek to become knowledgeable, not expert because expert may be a strong word, but be knowledgeable in these arenas that become, like you say, have their specific nuances. Um, so I think that's great advice because um, there, there's nothing but upside when it comes to, uh, especially early stage, but also switchers, people that were accountants, but want to get into marketing. Great. There's a playbook that can get you there fairly quickly because of the dynamic nature uh, of the space. Now, when you think about, you know, the interviews that you've had with some of the, the marketers for various roles that you've hired, any horror stories come to mind or cautionary tales of somebody who really missed, missed the point or cautionary tales in that, Hey, everyone, never do this as a learning? Well, I have to say, and um, it's been, it's been a few years now since I've been hiring um, on the U S side. I was before we took on our um, performance agency, initially trying to make this role an in-house one. Um, So we were looking for, I would say a fairly unique individual who was, you know, senior enough to be pretty strategic in managing performance channels, um, but also open to being quite hands-on as well, um, because we were not yet going to build a team around this person, at least not in the first go. Um, so, you know, in recruiting, I was aware um, that in at least my market in, in Germany and in Berlin, marketers are in high demand. Um, Berlin is a startup capital. There are so many startups that are starting up every month, every year, and everyone needs a marketer or two or five. And, you know, I was interviewing initially with with a few people, and I would say that the one thing to avoid is, um, is I don't know, or, or one thing to bring is a bit of humility. I mean, even no matter how advanced you are in your career, there's, there's still something to, um, you know, kind of being very being being very human about you know like why this is an opportunity um, that makes sense for you what you can bring to the table what you're looking to, what you're expecting to get in return and you know I think that th- these things can be navigated and discussed 
without a lot of ego. So I'm just thinking back to this, this moment where I was talking to this person and they said, I know I'm in pretty high demand. So I would like, and then <laughs> started to list kind of <laughs> all the things that they would like before we really kind of got deep into um, really learning more about them and seeing if there was really even like a cultural fit. I mean, I, I think this was clear to me at this point, there was not going to be a cultural fit. Um, but I think that this this can happen in different markets where you kind of walk in knowing it's, um, you know, the opportunities on your side, um, you know, you're in demand. Um, the company needs you, but there's still, there's still an opportunity to, you know, really leave a human mark, um, you know, lead with your curiosity, um, and lead with your enthusiasm, no matter how senior you are or how in demand you are for sure. Great advice. And you're right. I think the moment that somebody would make that sort of demand, that's the moment you knew that interview was over. Um, that's great, but great advice because the right way to deal with that is knowing that it is a candidate's market. And companies need the, the marketing skills that are out there. But the, the humility aspect of it, you're so right, is that it allows you to show them that you are a person uh, and you're just trying to, to help them with the skills that you bring to the table. Uh, but great tips there. So as we, as we wind down the conversation here, I'm wondering, you know, just given the, the depth and the breadth that you have in the marketing space or in marketing positions, you know, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. And I'm really impressed with with how you just followed these initiatives to start these ventures uh, and made it happen. But if you were to think back and say, hey, wait a minute, if I wasn't doing and I didn't follow that path with my friends early on with that startup, if you weren't in marketing or didn't have a marketing career, what, what would you be doing? Oh, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I probably would have gone with plan, plan A. Uh, I'm so <laughs> grateful for plan B. So grateful for plan B. But I, I guess I would probably be in the legal world right now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not bad. I'm sure that there, I would have loved the challenges there. Um, but of course, uh, a wildly different career path than, you know, what I, uh, what actually transpired for me. And, and that's a great point because, I mean, you still probably get uh, to touch a little bit with some of the contracts and agreements and things like that. But when you think about not just yourself, but other marketers you've seen progress in their careers. I know the one skill that's transferable, like we've been talking about, is being curious. What are some other other transferable skills that can give some confidence to our audience that's thinking like, oh, I'm never going to be able to learn this skill, or I want to be a specialist in X, but not Y, or I'm coming from a non-traditional environment into marketing. You know, What are some of those transferable skills that you've seen help professionals be successful in marketing? Hmm. So, you know, I think what's interesting here is, you know, some of these questions that you, that you mentioned as examples that, you know, tend to be kind of these running scripts in our heads at time, like, oh, I, I'm not sure if I can do this, or, you know, my background is so different. You know, I think we need to stop being the first no for ourselves, um, and, you know, I think that we, we, we can often be the first person, you know, that lines up right away and says, no, this is not possible before the world has a chance to even, you know, consider, um, you know, what you're trying to do. And so, you know, I think that, yes, curiosity, but also courage, um, you know, to simply try. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely not alone in, you know, in many ways learning as I go about marketing. And the truth of the matter is, even if you have, say, um, an academic certificate, certification in marketing, it's such a dynamic space that you're still anyways going to have to learn on the job. So, you know, I think that, you know, the things that we start, we try to kind of pull up and say, in our minds, this is why this is not going to be possible for me. Um, we need to actually actively stop doing that. And I, and I say that, and I know, you know, it's not always so easy to do, right. um, but there's a lot of power in, um, you know, kind of overcoming that voice in our, in ourselves at times that is telling us, um, no, I don't think that's possible for you or, or no, you probably need to spend four years learning this before you can try that, um, you know, to, you know, at least kind of drawing attention to it and noticing when it's there and saying, wait a second. 
how about let me look for that yes let me actively look for that yes for me and most likely it's there um that person that might say hey i hear you you want to learn about web3 i'm in the space i can you know give you an hour of my time to kind of walk through what i know and these are the kinds of moments where you start to open up the opportunity for yourself love it love it uh courage absolutely and, and courage i think fed by not being afraid to be wrong or not being afraid to get outside your comfort zone because uh, anyone can do that. And those that do it are the ones that will find those opportunities. I love it. So where's the best place for our audience to connect with you? If they want to continue the conversation, dig deeper in any, any part of your career path, uh, or quite frankly, talk about D2C marketing or all the above, uh, what's the best place for them to connect with you? Well, Eric, first of all, once again, thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been such a pleasure to dive deep and reflect. So I really appreciate um, you know you opening up that for me with your great questions. I think I spend way too much time on LinkedIn, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a great place to find me. Nice. Um, you know, please, please reach out there, and um, I'm really happy to make new connections. Deborah, and I appreciate your time. This has been extremely valuable. Great tips, great insights. I will share links in the show notes on how to get connected with Deborah. Uh, so, Deborah, thank you so much for joining here. Uh, great tips and best of luck with all things at Bosk. Thank you so much. All right. And a big thank you to Deborah Choi for joining me on this episode. Check out the show notes for ways to connect with Deborah and to learn more about Bosk. Now, my biggest takeaway from this episode was I love when, when Deborah said, stop being your own no when it comes to experimenting or learning uh, and be courageous. And I think that's something that applies to every marketer at every level. And if you want help with any challenges you're facing in your marketing career, head on over to the marketinghelp.co forward slash membership, get connected, find the option, the best option for you and how you can get support. We're here to help. And again, this is your host, Eric Harbison, reminding you, help out other marketers by leaving a rating and review wherever you access your favorite podcasts. 